Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. Today we want to start a new series on the gifts of the Spirit. You know, the Bible is a supernatural book filled with signs and wonders marking divine interventions. And God hasn't changed. He still wants to move supernaturally in and through the church, the body of Christ. And he wants us all to use us in supernatural ways. And the Bible describes these as the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit. And so in this series, we'll be looking at the nine supernatural gifts, uh, manifestations of the Spirit, as given in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which will be our main uh, passage. Together, these nine gifts describe all the different ways that God may move through us supernaturally. There are three revelation gifts, which is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. There are three power gifts, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healings. And there are three inspiration gifts, or utterance gifts, which is prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. And so we have the spirit of seeing, the revelation gifts. We have the spirit of doing, which is the power gifts. And we have the spirit of speaking which is the utterance gifts. We're going to study these gifts one by one and give all the examples of how they uh, operate in the Bible. You know, for God to work through us, it requires his, our intelligent cooperation. He doesn't bypass our free will. And so if we are ignorant in this area, that is a blockage to God from using us as much as he'd like to. And so it's important that we know about the gifts of the Spirit. And also, when we understand how these gifts work, we'll be better able to receive them, to yield to them, to operate in them, to minister them to others. And so I believe this is a really important study, and a very exciting one too. Knowing what God's Word says about these gifts of the Spirit will cause us to desire them to work in our life, and we'll become more open to God using us in these ways, and we'll make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit to be a channel for his gifts. And so this study will make you better prepared for God to use you in these supernatural ways. God does not want us to be ignorant of these gifts. In fact, that's how Corinthians 12 starts. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And if Paul says he doesn't want us to be ignorant, it must mean that it's vitally important for us to know and understand about the subject under discussion, the gifts. It is a sad fact that whenever Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this subject, then you can count on it that ignorance is rife on this subject in the body of Christ. One example of ignorance concerning the gifts is a false teaching called cessationism which says that the gifts are no longer relevant for us today because they've passed away. They've ceased after the apostle died, after the Bible was completed. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that. In fact, the Bible clearly says these gifts will continue to the end of the age. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything in all utterance. And that refers to the utterance gifts. And all knowledge. This refers to the revelation gifts. <coughs> Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you or among you, that refers to the power gifts. Signs and wonders, 
following, confirming the word. So, he says, that you come short in no gift, eagerly awaiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this clearly says that all the gifts will continue enriching the church, even to the end of the church age, when Jesus will be revealed to us in the rapture. Well, if we look at Jesus, he clearly operated abundantly in the gifts of the Spirit. And so did the early church, as recorded in the book of Acts and the epistles. And by doing this, they were actually fulfilling the words and the prophecy and the command of Jesus himself, who he commissioned them to preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. And he said that they would continue to do that after he had ascended to heaven. For example, John 14, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And his works included healing and moving in the gifts of the Spirit. He says, the works we will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father be glorified in the Son. Notice Jesus did not limit this promise to the apostles, but he applied it to all who believe in him. Throughout the church age, he said, he who believes in me, the works he, they will do. After his resurrection, he gave the Great Commission in Mark 16. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who doesn't believe will be condemned. And these signs, these supernatural signs, will follow those who believe. Not just the apostles, but those who believe. In my name they'll cast out demons. That's a power gift. They'll speak with new tongues. That's an utterance gift. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will no, by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And that, of course, are, those are power gifts. And then it says, So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Or, really, the Lord working with the word and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. You see, as they went, the Lord went with them, confirming the word with supernatural sign gifts. And that's what Jesus meant, actually, when he said in Matthew 28, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, the context is the Great Commission in Matthew 28, when he said, All authorities given to me in heaven on earth, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you, always, even to the end of the age. In other words, he promises us that as we go in obedience to the Great Commission, share the gospel, he will be with us, providing that supernatural support, that supernatural confirmation to what we say, and that he will continue to be with us in that way to the end of the church age. The same truth is emphasized. In other words, the gifts are for today. It's not just for the days of the apostles. The gifts are for us today, and that means this is very relevant for us today. And that was emphasized at the birth of the church at Pentecost, when Peter announced that Joel's prophecy in Joel 2, his prophecy of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh in the last days, was now being fulfilled. Now, in the last days, the last days in the Bible, uh, actually, 
refers to the time that was brought in by the death and resurrection of the Messiah and when he would establish the new covenant. That's when the last days began. And the last days continue throughout the church age and also into the millennium, the, day, the final day of history. This prophecy says that in the last days, brought in by the Messiah, the Spirit will be poured out on all flesh, not just on certain special people, as in the Old Testament. And the result of this outpouring will be the manifestation of all the gifts of the Spirit through all of God's people, whether young, old, male, female, rich, poor, slave or free. And this outpouring and these gifts will continue until the end of the last days, throughout the last days, until Jesus returns, and even beyond in the millennium. Let's see this in Acts chapter 2. Peter declared, this, he says, this is that, or this outpouring that was happening on the day of Pentecost. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it will come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That's an utterance gift. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Those are revelation gifts. And on my men servants, on my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. That's an utterance gift. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. That's the power gifts. The purpose of this outpouring of the Spirit and the associated supernatural gifts and signs is, a, is given in verse 21. And it will come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so it's all to fulfill the Great Commission. And then Peter explained how this prophecy came into fulfillment. He said, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, that's mostly the power gifts, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by um, lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And so he describes the events leading up to the outpouring of the Spirit, that the Messiah came, he did the signs of the Messiah, he was crucified, and then God raised him up. And after then, showing how the Messiah... Then Peter described how this resurrection of the Messiah was a fulfillment of a prophecy in Psalm 16. And after he did that, he continued his explanation of how Joel's prophecy was fulfilled, saying, this Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, this promise, which you now see and hear. This promise of the Holy Spirit is that which was promised by the prophet Joel. And now he says he has poured out this promise. This, this Holy Spirit has been poured out. Joel's prophecy has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled throughout the last days. Peter then explained how they could then receive and experience this promise of the outpoured Spirit and his gifts in their own lives. Now, and that's what he says in, in verse 38 and verse 39. I want you to notice that the promise of the Holy Spirit 
is the promise of Joel, which is the Spirit poured out and all the gifts, the utterance gifts, the power gifts, the, um, the revelation gifts. That's all part of the promise, is the outpouring of these gifts at the same time. And, and that is what would continue throughout the last days. Because Peter said, Joel's prophecy was that it would be in the last days, all of this would happen. And so he now applies it to them, how they could enter into it. That's in verse 38. I've adjusted the word order to agree with the grammar of the original Greek. This is how it should read. Then Peter said to them, repent, repent of your unbelief, your rejection of Jesus as the Messiah. Repent for the remission of sins. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you, every one of you, shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit and his gifts, as given in Joel's prophecy, is to you and your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Notice that this promise is for all people in the church age, all believers in the church age, all people in the latter days. Peter points out that the promise of the Holy Spirit and his supernatural gifts that's given in Joel's prophecy is for all believers throughout the last days. For Joel said that the Spirit would be poured out on all flesh, all flesh that would call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, all kinds of people, men, women, young, old. And as a result of this outpoured Spirit, they would all be able to operate in the gifts. And so Peter assures them then that the promise of the Spirit and his gifts applies to them and to all the future generations, to you and your children, he says, in all places on the earth, he says, um, during the church age. And so I want you to see, it says, as all, to all who are afar off, so even us in this uh, island in the United Kingdom or wherever you might be living, the promise is for all who are far off. And it's for all the children down the generations. Therefore, to say that the gifts of the Spirit are not for us today is to clearly contradict God's Word. The only scripture that can be used, or they try and use it, to argue that the gifts have passed away is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. It says, love never fails. Love will never stop. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there's a word of knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. That, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. For now, at this time, we see in a mirror dimly. That's the mirror of God's word. But then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also I am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, and the greatest of these is love. This indeed does say that unlike love, the gifts of the Spirit will pass away. Love is eternal, but the gifts are temporal. They will not continue throughout eternity. They're manifestations, it says, of just a part we prophesy in part, we know in part. These gifts, because the context is the gifts of the Spirit of 1 Corinthians 13, these are manifestations of just a part or a portion of God's knowledge, a portion of God's power, a portion of God's in inspiration. They are in part. 
So when God brings in the perfection of the eternal state, the gifts will become obsolete, redundant, because then we'll be living in the perfection, the completion, uh, when God's grace is in full and complete manifestation. There won't be any need for this. Now the cessationists say that verse 10 refers to the completion of the Bible in the first century. The thing that's perfect that comes in is the Bible. And then the gifts won't be needed because we have the Bible. That's what they say. It says, verse 10, when what is perfect has come, then what is in part will be done away. In other words, they say that now we've got the perfect revelation of God in the Bible, perfection has come. So the gifts of the Spirit are no longer needed. God's done away with them. But we must look into the context to see what, what does Paul mean by the coming of that which is perfect. It's clear that he's talking about a time still yet future, after the church age is over, because he describes the present age as now, as a, t as a time where we just know in part, through the mirror of God's word, and that's still true. But then he talks about a future time, a future age when the gifts have passed away, and that is characterized that we don't know in part, but then we will have perfect knowledge, and we will see face to face. We don't see Jesus face to face yet, and so we're not in that time of perfection. That will be marked by the fact we will see Jesus face to face. And so the time when the gifts will pass away, as far as the church is concerned, is when we'll see the Lord face to face at the rapture. Then, therefore, since we're still operating by partial knowledge and we only see the Lord through the mirror of God's word, the gifts of the Spirit are still very needful for us and they will continue until the Lord returns. For us personally, we'll enter the perfection of our eternal state at the rapture and at that time we'll no longer need the gifts. However, the creation as a whole will not enter the eternal state until after the final thousand years. And so for those living on the earth during the millennium, the gifts of the Spirit will continue to operate in fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. Indeed, they will be in full manifestation then. These gifts are actually described in Hebrews 6 as the powers of the age to come. That's the millennium. It, they belong properly to the millennium. It describes the, the believers in the church age, however, as having tasted the heavenly gift and become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. So you see, the age to come, the millennium, is when the gifts will be in full manifestation, but we are able to partake of them now, all of us, in the church age. Then, after the millennium ends, there'll be a new heaven and earth, and all creation will enter into the eternal state. That's in Revelation 21. And in that, all things will then enter into perfection, and the gifts of the Spirit, of course, will be not needed any longer. So let's now return to our main passage on the spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12. He says, You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Paul points out here that not all spirits or supernatural workings are from God. In fact, there are evil 
spiritual forces at work in other religions that lead men into idolatry. And so it's necessary to test these spiritual manifestations. And the key mark of the work of the Holy Spirit is that he'll always cause men to glorify Jesus as Lord. So the ultimate purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is to lead people to believe in and to love and to worship Jesus. Revelation 19.10 actually says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Not just prophecy, but all the gifts of the Spirit, their purpose, and therefore this is the primary test of these gifts, if it's of God or not, is whether it glorifies Jesus and inspires men to receive and to follow Jesus as Lord. 1 Corinthians 12 goes on and says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord, Jesus. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God, the Father, who works all in all, who works all the gifts in all the ministries. These are Trinitarian verses, where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are described as working together in controlling the operation of the gifts and ministries in the body of Christ. Notice he distinguishes between the gifts of the Spirit and the ministries of the Lord Jesus. You see, every member of the body of Christ fulfills a function, a ministry, whether we be an ear, an eye, a hand, a foot. And so the Lord Jesus, he's the head of the body, he's in authority over all the members and their ministries. On the other hand, the Spirit is in control of the gifts, and so they're called the manifestations of the Spirit, and they operate as the Spirit wills. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so the gifts are special manifestations of God's grace uh, that operate by the will of the Holy Spirit. But, in contrast, the ministries are permanent grace gifts possessed by each believer. So if you're a hand or a foot, for example, that's what you're graced to be at all times. Likewise, if you're gifted to be a teacher or an evangelist or a minister of mercy, that's who you are always. That's your, that's your member. That's your ministry. Finally, in the chapter it says that God, the Father, is in overall charge of the gifts and the ministries because he works all the gifts in all the ministries. Let's have a look at those verses again and see how it gives an outline for the whole chapter. It says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, Jesus. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God, the Father, who works all the gifts in all the ministries. As we'll see in a minute, uh, the gifts of the Spirit are in verse 7 to 11. Then the ministries of the Lord are described in verse 12 to 27. Notice how the focus moves in verse 12 to the Lord Jesus and to us as the members of his body. It says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And this section ends with verse 27, which says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And so as members of the body, we all have a ministry. Then in verse 28 to 30, the focus goes to God the Father, who works all the gifts in all the ministries. 
it says, and God, God the Father, has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, variety of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healings, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? And the answer is no, not everyone ha has those ministries. In this series, though, we'll be focusing on the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that are in verse 7 to 11. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So all of these gifts are manifestations of the Holy Spirit, so they, they originate and operate from the will of the Spirit, as He wills, not by man's will. So they are supernatural in origin and nature. They cannot be initiated or manufactured by the will of man. However, the Spirit does want to use us in these gifts. He chooses and desires to manifest Himself through us. He wants to use all believers in these gifts. It says the manifestation is given to each one for the profit of all. And the Spirit works all these things distributing to each one, individually, as He wills. He wants to use all of us. And, but since these gifts operate through us, they require our cooperation to operate. So we must make ourselves available to be used in this way by hearing His word and obeying it. Hearing His voice in our spirit and obeying it. By understanding more about these nine gifts of the Spirit, we'll be in a better position to co cooperate with God and be used by God in these nine different ways. We will learn to make ourselves available to Him and to be sensitive to Him when He wants to manifest Himself through us, yielding to His promptings so that many people's lives will be touched by the glory of God. And as a result, they will exalt Jesus as their Lord. Amen. I'd like to introduce you to three of my special books on prophecy. This one, The Seven Times of the Gentiles, shows how there's a prophecy that predicts the rebirth of Israel in 1948 and the recapture of Jerusalem in 1967. Then I have one about the imminent invasion of Israel that speaks how Ezekiel prophesied a dramatic invasion from the north and that's going to happen any time now and uh, you need, we need to be ready for that. And then the signs in the heavens describes all the signs in the heavens in the Bible and it applies to prophecy too. So you can get these books at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by phoning 01865 515086. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk where you can also make a donation to our ministry or contact us on 01865 515086